0: Hello and welcome to Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven. This is your host, Catherine McPhail. I am an architect practicing in eastern Massachusetts. And my specialty is additions and renovations to existing homes. I started this podcast as a way for homeowners to get more information about home renovations as they plan their project, different elements that go into it. I have expanded this season into talking more about doing things yourself and also hearing people's renovation stories. I'd love to hear what you think about those renovation stories. And today we have another one of them. This is a story about the revival of a rundown cottage in the woods that was taken on by a young architect couple. One of those architects was Mark R. LePage, who I originally encountered years ago through his Entree Architect podcast. Mark is the founder of Entree Architect, Incorporated and Gable Media, as well as a practicing architect with his wife, architect Anne-Marie McCarthy. His mission is to teach small firm architects and students the importance of business success in the profession of architecture. Listen to the end of the episode for more about his life's work. Here's my conversation with Mark. Mark, I I appreciate you coming on today. I can't wait to hear what you have to tell me about. I'm excited
1: about this. I have not had an opportunity to talk about anything but Entree Architect in eight years.
0: Well, I'm really excited to have you here, Mark. So I'm hoping to hear a really exciting story about your renovation.
1: Oh, I would love to do that. I would love to do that. My house in New York was a 1934... I guess you could call it a Tudor style. We used to just call it a little cottage in the woods. It was when we bought it. It was the 900 square foot house, 30 by 30. Very small, though. Square. It was a very small house. Um, at the time, it was the. It was 1997. I got married to Anne Marie, my wife, in 1996. Anne Marie is also an architect, mm. and so that plays into the story quite a bit because yeah. we got married in 1996. Uh, we moved into the apartment that she was living in and started looking for a house and never imagined that we would we never even looked in Chappaqua where the house is where we finally bought Um, Chappaqua is a pretty high-end place you know a lot of expensive homes so we never even looked there we didn't think we could afford there so we looked everywhere but there um, and looked for over a year because two architects have a very specific list and <laughs> we want a very specific type of house. And and so nothing really resonated with us. Everything we found was not what we were looking for. And we didn't really know. I mean, we had a list of things that we wanted. Like, You know, we had a whole wish list of things we wanted. Um, and we had a very um, understanding and patient realtor. We did a fantastic oh, job. For yeah, I had a
0: few of those myself.
1: And kept, kept finding, you know, <laughs> great little houses. And she, she almost always knew they weren't right for us, because she knew very well what we were looking for. It's um, so over a year we looked and then one day, um, she showed us a house in Millwood, which was, it's actually in the same uh, town, the town that Chappaqua Chappaqua is a Hamlet and the town is Newcastle in New York, in Westchester County, about 40 minutes north of New York City. So it's a you know an executive commuter town. A lot of people who work in the city live in in Newcastle, and Millwood is the other hamlet in Newcastle. And so she lo- she showed us a house, and it wasn't right. It was an, it was a cute little house, but it was right under the power lines. Big high tension power lines. And we're like, nope. We're gonna have a family. We're not taking the risk that we're gonna run, you know, our family under high tension power lines. We don't know if anything's true or not about high tension power lines, but we were gonna, we were gonna take that chance with our. Mm. They're not too
0: good looking either.
1: Yeah, and they weren't very pretty, and we were worried that, you know, resale wasn't going to help with power lines in your backyard. It was a cool house, and somebody eventually bought it and renovated it, and it was a nice house. But that led us into Newcastle. And then the next weekend, the realtor sent us um, an email saying, I just found out that a house in Chappaqua is going on the market uh, on – they're having an open house on Sunday. And I just got access to the house on Saturday before it, it goes on the market Saturday, uh, open house on Sunday. And so we got the first viewing of the house. And she picks us up on Saturday and drives us over to the house. And we're like, no, this is Chappaqua. There's no way this house is going to be you know, affordable. We're never going to be able to afford this house. and she turns into this, this road, which ends up being a private driveway that's shared by three or four houses goes up a hill into the woods. So now we're driving into the into the woods of Chappaqua. And as we come up the hill, we see this, this stucco house on the right side, a little cottage. And we both look at each other. We look at the house, the house has a round top door. No. Oh. And we we looked at each other and said this is it. We didn't even step yeah. in the house yet.
0: I know you get that feeling. You just know when you see the house somehow. We
1: were home and it was overgrown and and falling <laughs> apart and but we looked right past all of that. Of course, it was a it was a disaster. Um and so we both knew it, it was the house and so we we got a tour that we opened the front door with the realtor and somehow the people who owned it were still there like they hadn't left yet
0: and they were there physically they in the house
1: physically in the house mm. while we walked into the house and they sort of just pretended they weren't there and we sort of pretended they weren't there because they weren't supposed to be there okay. um and we were the first ones there and so they, they were trying trying to clean up and when you hear what the house was like Cleaning up wasn't going to help at all. <laughs> so we walk in and there's three feet of their life covering the floors. Mm. And it wasn't necessarily a hoarding situation. It was just their life sort of built up around them. And it turned out that they were, um, they were very nice people. We actually still communicate with them. We send them Christmas cards and stuff. And, um, but they were, they were estate sale people. That was their job. That was their business. They they ran estate sales. Okay. And so whatever didn't sell ended up in their house. They basically used their house as a, as a warehouse, but it was like junk, right? It was all the stuff that nobody wanted. And so it, it was, it was, and it was literally three feet. So there were these little paths that you had to walk through to get through the house. Yeah. And so anybody who walked into the house would think, oh my goodness, what a disaster. How you know what, what? how could you even, you know, it smelled of that moldy grease.
0: Oh yeah. I know that one. And,
1: and you know, and we walk into the, into the living room and then we walk through the living room into a, a, into a little door that goes into this, this little tiny dining niche, just big enough for a little table and two chairs. And we walk into the quote unquote kitchen and the kitchen is the original 1934 kitchen. Mm, So it is a, it is a wooden cupboard, and a built-in ceramic um, uh, sink, no refrigerator. No, the refrigerator was there. The refrigerator was there, but it was basically in the middle of the room because there's no room. It wasn't built. Nineteen thirty-four. It wasn't built for a refrigerator. Mm. And 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 it had a, a, a like a nineteen forty gas stove, and it was full of grease. Mm. Right? Everything was covered in that grease, like this coating of this. Yeah. Yeah. of grease and it smelled oh, yeah. horrible and the floor was black and it was some sort of linoleum that just you know hadn't been cleaned in forever the the windows were all full of grease so it was hard to see through the windows
0: honestly um, that, was, that sounds perfect you're probably looking at it thinking exactly. like this is awesome
1: <laughs> that is exactly right Catherine Anne-Marie and I were so happy <laughs> so happy because we looked right past the trash yeah, two architects knew exactly what we were looking at. The house had not been touched since probably it was, probably wasn't touched since the the seventies. We found out later that the husband who bought the house um, had passed away in the seventies. And in the seventies, when the husband passed away, the the wife and the mother of the because the the son and his wife lived with the mom. That's who was living in the house. So when when the husband passed away in the seventies. She didn't want anybody to touch the house. This mm. was his house, and no one was going to touch the house. And so it was never updated. It was never repaired. It was nothing wow. since 1970 until 1997 when, when we purchased it. They were the second buyers. They bought it in 1940 from the original buyer, the original builder. The original builder was a doctor from New York City who built it as a little cottage in the in the country. Mm. You know, in, in 1934, it was an apple orchard. It was nothing there. Chappaqua existed. Chappaqua has been around since the the colonial days, but very, you know, there was no no development at all. And so this was one of the original homes of the area and it was a vacation house. It was a place in the mountains to go. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't intended to be a full time live in house. It was, you know, that's why the kitchen and dining room were like insignificant. And Mm -hmm. it was, it was a two bedroom house. So two bedroom, one bathroom, a living room, a little tiny dining area and a kitchen and then a full basement, no attic had had, um, you know, it was a single floor on a, but it was on a hill. And so it was a full basement. And we looked right past the trash. We looked right past the grease and the the smell. Mm -hmm. And we we saw the original hardware from 1934 on Mm. all the doors. We saw the original light fixtures from the house, all still installed and working. All the original plaster crown molding was there. All the walls were, were textured plaster, um, mostly still intact. Some of them, you know, through years of some neglect on the roof, some had, there were some leaks, and so there was some serious damage and some significant mold issues uh-huh. uh, from, from past problems with the roof. The roof was relatively new, so they had fixed the roof somewhere along the line in order for, to fix the leaks. Um, but it was, it was a dream come true because, because it was in the condition that, that it was, um, it was just out of our price range but it was affordable if we stretched right and 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 it was an acre of property
0: nice an acre that's,
1: in chappaqua that's a lot it is a lot and and it was actually technically two lots and so they were selling the house which was on a little quarter acre lot and then it also owned a three-quarter adjacent lot um that basically You didn't know it was two two lots it just was never joined together as one lot and so there were two two lots and uh and it was on this private road up in the trees and and when you look out the backyard it was completely overgrown like a like a jungle Uh, but once we got once we bought the house and we sort of cleared away the the overgrowth you can we kept finding remnants of the old garden
0: Oh, I love so that. The,
1: the stone, all the stone planters were there. So the original owner, the husband, used to build planters and waterfalls. And you can see that if you imagine the the overgrowth, if you sort of look at the plantings, you realize, oh, these were once little tiny plants that were part of a garden mm-hmm. that just over you know 40 years have grown into these monster plants and and turned into a forest. And so um, we bought it we put, we put it actually, that's a great part of the story is that we put it on offer on it, um, said we were going to, to, we made an agreement. We went that day, right? We were the first ones in, we made an agreement, essentially a verbal handshake agreement, no actual contract, no no deposit. I
0: mean, with the people the, who were just cleaning up the living room inside, you just went yes. in and said, hey, we, we want the we house. We didn't negotiate
1: with them because they, you know, the realtors didn't want us to talk to them, right? The realtors all want their piece, and, which I agree, you know, that they did right. their work, especially our realtor, really earned her, her fee. Yeah,
0: sounds um, like
1: it. And so that night we, we, we put the offer in that night before anybody else saw the house. We got the agreement. Um, the next day the realtor their realtor convinced them to go through with the the open house even after they accepted our offer why and the the next day they had their open house and they got three offers two of them were cash offers for more than our offer oh no from builders oh who looked at the property and said an acre in chappaqua with a tear down house this is a gold mine and they didn't want to sell it because we we told them that we were going to restore it. We told them that we two, two architects, two young art. We were twenty nine years old. We we were going to restore this and make this our family home. And they said that's what we want. We mm-hmm. love this house. This is a piece of us. This is it's sad for us to leave. They didn't want to leave. They sort of the Chappaqua grew up around them. Right. Mm-hmm. They had had it since the seventies. It was it was a completely different world now. Very expensive, high taxes. So they ended up. Moving to Pennsylvania, rural Pennsylvania, and, and sort of started over in Pennsylvania. And because we promised to take care of it and restore it and turn it back into what it once was, they they held to the commitment mm. of our of our offer and passed on all of the cash offers. That is there.
0: awesome. Can I ask you? Did you write them a letter and and kind of wax uh, poetic about your love for the house and everything? Did you write that letter?
1: We didn't. Well, we, we've we've communicated to them since then. We had them over after we did the work to the house. Um, we did communicate all of that through our realtor. So our realtor explained that to them. They understood it very well. Mm. Um, and um, I don't remember if I think maybe we did the day we walked through. I think we did talk to them, and I think we did have that conversation with them.
0: Well, we that makes all the difference. I think people love their houses, and they don't want to think about yeah. them getting torn down.
1: Yeah, and it was it was very emotional for them to leave. You can tell that this was painful for them, and so that was a big piece of of it that we were going to restore it and you know take care of it. And that's exactly what we did. We 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 didn't have a lot of money because we put all of our savings into buying the house, um, and so we put a lot of elbow grease into fixing it. And that was the next step was we bought it. We got it, you know, purchased it. We moved into it. It was not livable. It was, it was not habitable. No one should have been living in that house. It was (laughs) full of grease and mold and leaks and, and it needed, you know, it needed the, the, all the hardwood floors were there with all inlay, you know, it was all hard. Um, It was, well, the the bedrooms were, were fur and the, the living room, was a um was oak with a walnut inlay but you couldn't see any of that you didn't know any of that when when you were because it was all covered up Mm. and and so when we finally got the house and it was empty and clean or clean (laughs) it was empty and swept and swept you know we kept you know discovered even more and so um we had the floors refinished um we we painted everything, sort of fixed the walls that needed to be fixed, painted everything, fixed some of the, the water damage that was there, um, and made it a cute little house we, you know, and, and restored everything basically to what it was, what was there, because we didn't have any money to, to improve anything. We just fixed it um, and lived in it from 97 till our first son was born in 2001 just like that with the original kitchen, the refrigerator did not, cause a modern refrigerator would not fit in the, in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. There was like a little tiny refrigerator. And so we put the refrigerator in the basement, which was, there was a, wow. there was a door from the kitchen directly to the basement. So we put that the refrigerator is not
0: convenient.
1: at the bottom of the <laughs> stairs. And so we lived like that for, I don't know, what is that? That's
0: four, four, years or so. four three. Right, four, you have four, to be young to live like that, Mark.
1: Exactly. Exactly <laughs> right. And that's how we lived. And, and we built an, a, an, a little office in the basement um, and, you know, just basically put up a wall and painted the walls of the, of the basement. And that's where we started our architecture firm out of that basement and, uh, and lived in it like that for a long time. And then our son was born and the windows were original too. And so the windows had no insulation. They were single pane rattled they were so you know Mm -hmm. so old all the weather stripping was gone and we used to put our son to bed in a swim in a bathing uh, not a bathing suit in a (laughs) snowsuit because it was so cold in the winter because there was no insulation that that and we just didn't have any money and so that was what we had to do and we just we that was fine for us we were fine He
0: survived, right yeah he survived
1: and we we did fine although uh maries parents were not too happy with that. because they, <laughs> they were an, a significant part of our story. Uh marie and I were both full-time practicing architects. We were partners in our firm and we both worked full-time. And Anne-Marie's mom was the one that helped us raise our kids. And so they were always close to us. And now now we're in actually in North Carolina. And because they also moved, they moved away from us. And we followed them down to North <laughs> Carolina. Um, but that was, that was how we did it. You know, we, we, we had them, but they once they, you know, they realized how we were living and they were like, okay, they're going to live that way, whatever. But one day they were there and we were giving James a bath and the hot water heater was original too. (laughs) And so we, you couldn't fill up the bathtub with hot water. It just wouldn't fill up. It would get cold too quickly. And, um, And so we were carrying pots of boiling water from the kitchen (laughs) through the house to fill up the bath the bathtub for to to wash the baby, and we were doing that every day. It was just part of how we lived. Right, just what you did.
0: You didn't realize how good you could have had it if you had a full size water heater.
1: And so the we you know the 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 original boiler was there. So we were using the original 1934. Actually, it probably was converted in the 40s. It was originally coal, and it was converted to oil. Um, because there was a coal chute, and uh, and we just that's we just we out of necessity we just lived that way, and so um, m- my father in law saw that and said no more. <laughs> I don't care what you need to do. Um, you're going to put an addition on this house and fix the boiler and fix the kitchen and start living like human beings because it was <laughs> it, it was. It was not. It was still not habitable the way we we're living. I mean, it was it was cold and it was drafty and it looked beautiful. So we got it restored back to what it was, but it wasn't realistic to live like that. And so, he sort of you know, um, he helped us get a loan. He gave us. He helped us with a little bit of of the funding to to do it. And we put on a new kitchen addition and a dining room addition. Put in all new windows. Um, and, uh, and a full new HVAC system. Right. So basically fixed the house, put it, you know, kept it, We did as little as possible, but did what needed to be done. Um, the kitchen, we basically built the space for the kitchen and then put an Ikea temporary kitchen in that then lasted another 10 years.
0: Yeah, of course. And,
1: uh, and so, and then we lived, we had a wonderful life in that house. Uh, so many memories. Yeah. And, uh, and that the, the dining room became our family room, this big table that was Anne Marie's grandmother's table, and it just was perfect for us. And we raised three kids in that house uh, until uh, 2019. We moved from New York to, after 21 years of being in the house, mm. moved to North Carolina. Um, throughout that process, we did finally finish the kitchen and probably about three years before we moved, so we got to enjoy the kitchen. A little bit. A beautiful kitchen. And, and that when we sold the house, the house was finished. And, it, and it, it had wood paneling on the walls of the dining room that I built myself. And, and, the, and the kitchen was finished. And when we did, oh, that's, that's a big part of the story. When we, when we did, um, we actually did, when we did the, the kitchen and the dining room, we also put uh, a, a second floor on it. So basically raised the roof a little bit. Uh, and the second floor became one big open space and a second bathroom. And so we used the second floor as a master bathroom. No shower because the septic system was also original. So we couldn't have, technically couldn't have a, a shower up there. So we had a, a sink and a toilet and, and a big open space that became Anne-Marie's studio and our bedroom. Um, and then we had two bedrooms downstairs. And so um, we had one room that ended up being our daughter's room and one room that the boys shared and, uh, and lived like that happily ever after for 21 years. And then, and then, uh, and then moved on in 2019 to, to Charlotte, sold it to another young company, a couple, Mm -hmm. uh, who was, um, about to have a baby just before we sold it to them. And so they are starting the next chapter of this, of this little house, fourth owner. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so now they're they're raising their little little baby over there
0: oh that's nice and then so nobody tried to buy it from you to tear down when you sold it
1: no that was that was actually very important to us as well because not only did we promise the people we bought it from that we wouldn't tear it down but we put our heart and soul into it too and we really felt right from the beginning that we were stewards of the house that this was something that was a responsibility to restore this so so it would not be torn down and so by the time we sold it it really I mean you could have torn it down and you may have you probably would have made some money um but we we built it to the point where it could be everything it could be as what it was right mm-hmm. and we put a big kitchen on it big living you know big big dining room gave it everything it could be certainly they could have torn it down but but we sold it for you know a pretty good profit for what we put into it cuz the market you know in 21 years, it skyrocketed, right? Uh, and sold it really, really well, and and that helped us start this new chapter in in North Carolina, where we're do- we're doing that all over again. We're renovating a house and totally transforming what what we've built, uh, what we bought down here.
0: Yeah, I think that's. I don't know if all architects are like this, but I think that I feel strongly that I'm the steward of the houses that I live in, and I'm just trying to make them happy again. And then then we end up moving on. I mean, this is only our second house, but. After about 12 or 13 years, it's time to um, move on to the next house in need. So I, I, we're coming up on that next year. Probably when my daughter gets out of high school, we'll probably find somewhere else. But it's um, it's a fun hobby to have. Yeah. And living yeah. among the uh, a lot of architect friends I have. And I wonder if you had um, countertops that were made out of plywood in your temporary kitchen for 10 years
1: um we did not have plywood we had um Ikea prefab cabinet you know um countertops that came with the cabinets and and okay they, we we the cabinets were those cabinets that had the legs that yeah. you could buy from Ikea and so they were we had uh we put two cabinets on on either side of the window and installed a sink in the countertop uh basically designed the kitchen that we originally built or finally built. Um, and so all the plumbing and the gas and everything was where it belonged. It just we used the original 1940 stove in, in the new At the kitchen. stove.
0: Oh, man. Yeah.
1: yeah. Wow. And, and the refrigerator was was the same refrigerator. And I uh, no, actually we bought a new refrigerator, got rid of the old refrigerator, bought a new refrigerator. Um, but you know, we didn't have the money to finish the kitchen. And so we didn't uh, really yeah. have the money to do the addition, you know. We, I hear
0: you. I've been in the very same position and you just yeah. live like that. And then later, like your story about bringing the hot water upstairs and pans, it's yes. like you just don't really think about it. But then when you have the technology to have hot water come out of the tap, it's like, yes, this is so great.
1: Yeah. And you look <laughs> back and you're like, what were you thinking? But at the time, you're just, that's just life. It's just, you right. do what you have to do.
0: Yeah, exactly. You do. Yeah. yeah, well, it's, a,
1: it's fun. It, and it is, we are, we're all doing it all over again. We've, we've did a, a major renovation to this house. And now we're in a point where we need to sort of stop and refund, you know, get our funds back in order and, uh, and do the next step. Because we have a, a kitchen, the original kitchen that we bought the house with is probably, the kitchen was probably done in the early 2000s. And we tore some of it apart to put new windows in and so now we're living in another house that's not finished (laughs) you know and and once again you're sort of you know you get used to it and you live this way and Mm -hmm. and uh hopefully we're gonna get to finish the kitchen the next year or so
0: yeah yeah you do get used to it that's the good news um well do you have photos of this house that we do i'll send you
1: photos i we actually have an entire um i'll have to find it we have an album for the house Hmm. And that shows the original house from the 40s. We have pictures of it from the 40s that the original owner sent to us or the people that we bought it from sent to us. And we have um, what it looked like when we bought it. And then we have the whole history of the renovations. I'll send you a bunch of pictures. Yeah,
0: yeah, if you don't mind. I have these episode enhancements where I can put photos and things. So that would be fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd love to share.
0: There's nothing like a hoarder house or a house that is completely down on its luck and you feel like you're doing a good thing for the house and you get to live in this cool house that maybe you couldn't afford otherwise if it were fixed up. Exactly. Also, kitchens that are worth tearing out, maybe you don't feel guilty about that because there's, you know, perfectly good cabinets are hard to justify removing. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm all I'm all for buying a hoarder house.
1: The old wooden pantry cabinet, that the cupboard that was in the, the original house, we actually dismantled and my father took it and reinstalled it in his house he has a little cottage my mom and dad have a little cottage on the st lawrence river way upstate new york right on the border of canada and they spend their summers up there and now that cupboard is there in their kitchen oh
0: that's nice yeah yeah it lives on
1: it does yeah so little pieces of that house are are uh, still part of our family
0: you know i feel like houses are part of the family yeah very
1: much so yeah we really feel that way i mean we I mean, we're not, we're not crazy. It's not like it's, a, <laughs> it's like, uh, it's, they're not human, but they really do become a part of your story. Oh yeah. You know, they, they become part of who you are and that house in, in Chappaqua really was a part of, of our, our, family's history, right? You'll, we'll, as, as grandparents, we will tell stories about that house and growing up there and, you know, and the good and the bad, right? And, and some of those things that we struggle through add to that story and make you know life better
0: yeah no that's very true well thanks for sharing that
1: yeah you're welcome thanks for giving me the opportunity because i never get a chance to talk about that stuff
0: well anytime if you think of other houses you've renovated you forgot to mention today you can always come back
1: that's the only (laughs) one except for this one this one's not an old one this one it was built in 93 and uh,
0: i'm kind of surprised you'd buy uh, after living in that house that you'd buy a house (laughs) built in 93
1: we are surprised too but then the same thing happened here. You know, there's nothing here. This is, you know, uh, the area of North Carolina that we are living in is all brand new. So oh. um, it's developer house, thousands of developer houses all over around us. And so this development was built in the early 90s. And this house, again, had its own story. This was a, a short sale. Somebody couldn't afford to pay for it. And, um, and it was a typical 1990s fake stucco fake arch windows you know square windows but fake arches over them it was Mm. everything that it makes my stomach hurt hurt even thinking about (laughs) what it was yeah Um, and we just we completely renovated it and transformed it we we took it from a uh that 90s which was really popular in the 90s but it was extremely dated now Mm. And, uh, and turned it into a little, you know, we put white clabbered siding on it, put all new windows in it, built a, and reconfigured the porch, fixed the porch, um, put in a, a brick uh, foundation. You know, so we, we veneered the foundation with brick and mm. made, it, made it look like, what we tried to make it look like was that the house is sort of has a main centerpiece. The, ma- the massing has a main centerpiece and then there's like a couple of little wings off to the side. So we wanted it to look like that maybe it was built as a little bungalow and then it was added to. It mm-hmm. wasn't that. It, it, was right. all, it was all built in one time. But that was the story that we like, wrote for the house. Like, <laughs> it was this little 1920s bungalow and, and then it had these additions. And so that's sort of the, the idea is that if you had a 1920s bungalow and it was renovated for today, what would it look like? And so that's what we turned it into. So we're yeah. very happy with what, where it's going um and it's not anywhere near there yet it needs a lot of landscape work and we'll get Um, there
0: i have a picture of that now in my mind mark so i might need to see a photo of that i'll send
1: you a before and after of that as well
0: yeah i mean because where i am is not a neighborhood i mean it was built over hundreds of years so it's like not a it doesn't have that kind of organization of one a neighborhood that's all built at the same time so i'm kind of intrigued by that in a way also intrigued by the idea of living in north carolina where it's probably a lot nicer a lot, lot greener outside where you are
1: it is the trees are all budding all the the um the blossoms are blossomed and the trees mm. are budding the birds mm-hmm. are singing
0: yeah well that's a couple of months away for us up here so that's yep. That's getting old as I contemplate our move coming up.
1: Caroline is very nice, Catherine. You come and visit.
0: Mm, Maybe. Maybe we'll go down south.
1: Spring starts sometime in late February.
0: What? Really?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It starts getting warm in late February. And it starts, Mm. you know, starts really mid-March. Spring's here in mid-March.
0: Well, as you know, that's not the case up here.
1: No. No. I don't miss the snow at all.
0: No, it's not so much the snow as like the frozen mud that I yep. don't love through yep. March. But anyway, well, you are a a pretty busy guy. Otherwise, besides renovating your houses, do you want to say anything about the empire you've built?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, you're part of that empire. The um, I have two things going on. I have three things going on actually. My I, we, my wife and I still are practicing architects. We have a very small firm down here that that we, our plan is to do new homes. So we, we actually purchased property several years ago with the idea that it was either an investment or we we would develop it. It was before we decided to move down here. And so, but our plan is to develop it. And so our plan is to use our architecture skills and our, and our license to design and build new homes one at a time, have some fun with those. And, uh, and then and uh, in, in 2012, I launched Entree Architect, which is a platform for small firm architects to learn better business. And so if there's any architects out there, you should come visit us at entrearchitect.com. Uh, and in uh, January of 2020, uh, Demetrius Salinch and I became partners and launched uh, Gable Media, which is a, um, a, a multimedia network for the architecture, engineering, and construction industries, And we, um, we do podcasts and video channels and someday we'll probably publish books. And that's sort of the the planning for that. And you're a big part of that. So you're, you're a co-host on one of the Mm -hmm. shows called Context and Clarity. True. And, uh, and I love that. I love that you're part of it. And, uh, and and I'm excited about where both of those uh, businesses are going into the future.
0: That is really exciting. I mean, it's, it's nice to have so different things going on, at least for me, I find it feeds my creativity to have different different types of projects happening. So that keeps me happy. Yeah,
1: very much so. And I I really, my fuel is helping other people. It just makes me happy. It's and so true. the internet has enabled me to do that with thousands of people.
0: Thousands, yeah. You have 7,000 people in the Entree Architect community.
1: Yeah, in the Facebook group, yeah. And yeah. That's a, it's, that's, it's, it's very gratifying. And uh, I really have come to the point in my life that feel that it is my purpose that everything that we're growing at entree architect and now at gable media that it's just the path that i'm supposed to be on and so i just keep moving forward Mm. and uh, and just keep trying to to continue to grow it and to try to to have an impact in as many people's lives as i possibly can
0: well it's been a great um community to be a part of during this time of everybody being in their own spaces um yeah connecting through people on that has been invaluable so i really appreciate that you have that
1: yeah thank you well i mean the facebook group and and a lot of the other things that we're doing are are i started them but they're only as great as they are from the people who who are participating in them and so um it is a great community and the people who are in there helping one another the very positive culture very supportive culture Mm -hmm. and uh And it's a great place to to be at the Facebook group and over at the membership and all the other things we do.
0: Unfortunately, you can only be there if you're an architect, though.
1: Yes, the Facebook group is a private group only for architects. Yes. But there is another group if you are if you're part of the architecture world, if you're uh, um, an ally of architects, we have another group called uh, Architects and Allies. Mm. That is a similar structure. It's but it's open to anybody who's um, it is private and you have to um, request membership. But it's for architects and allied professions and so media and manufacturers and engineers and consultants and that's where we we uh, have the conversations with the rest of the profession uh, over there at our Ar- architects and allies
0: i feel like i've seen interior designers around somewhere where yeah,
1: well, they're, they're welcome there they're welcome at, to at the, the allies allies yeah. Yep. only only architects and architecture students are allowed to uh, to join Entree Architect in the well, Facebook group. We have
0: to group. have some perks as an architect. We don't get a we don't have a lot, so that's one of them.
1: Yeah, I'm, and that group the the intent of that group is to have a private, safe, secure place where we can have those conversations that we can't have anywhere else. So mm-hmm. we can talk to just us, and so there's no. No, no clients in there there's no consultants in there there's no manufacturers trying to sell you anything it's mm-hmm. just architects helping architects so it's, it's really special
0: now people are going to wonder what we talk about when nobody else is listening but
1: exactly I, you'll exactly. Just never know you'll never know
0: i'm an architect um well thank you for everything you do mark and thank you for coming on today
1: you're very welcome thank you for being a part of what i'm doing and thank you for letting My me pleasure. be part of what you're doing
0: Thanks again for joining me, Mark, and thank you for listening. I've got photos of their project over on my website in the episode enhancements. You can see that at TalkingHomeRenovations.com. You'll also find transcripts of this episode and previous episodes. We're still working on finishing the transcripts for all 44 episodes or however many there have been. So check back on that if you'd like to see transcripts of old episodes. I also have this new button that you can push to ask a question that will be recorded and then answered on the episode, if that's okay with you. So check that out. I'm pretty excited about the new website and all the information that is on there. You can email me there at Housemaven at com If you have any comments or just want to leave an idea for another episode, or whatever. I just love to hear from people. So yeah, send me an email. You can also reach out on Facebook, which every time I post anything on Facebook, it only gets two views. So honestly, I kind of neglect that forum because I just don't get any traction over there. So, but you can reach out to me on Facebook and that's Talking Home Renovations or on Instagram, which I do spend more time there, uh, Talking Home Renovations as well, or on TikTok as the House Maven. Subscribe to the podcast if you like it. You can also leave a rating or a review. And I guess this podcast world is kind of measured by numbers. And if I ever want to get a sponsor or something like that, it helps to have more ratings and it kind of just shows that people are interacting. So if you have an extra minute, I'd, I'd really appreciate that. This podcast is a member of the Design Network, where you can discover exclusive architecture and design podcasts designnetwork.org and for now anyway, this episode has been a production of my architecture firm, Demios Architects where we believe that architects are for everyone until next time take care